0: talk about this morning. There is a bomb in Gilead, and we're going to get there. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse number 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house, and there proclaim this message. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. The people in Judah had been living far from God and His Word. They were committing all kinds of sins all week long, but they would come to the place of worship and stand before God, thinking they were secure in God's love for them. God used the prophet Jeremiah to deliver this message to them And he said in verse 3, reform your ways and your actions. He was calling them to repentance and a right relationship with him. The same thinking is present in our world today. People live in rebellion against God because they do not follow His Word. They say they believe in God and they may even think they're secure because they believe in the blood of Christ. But how many know the devil himself believes in the blood of Christ? Jeremiah goes on to point out in verse number 8, he says, But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. You are trusting in deceptive words who are worthless. One can believe in the blood of Christ, but that belief must advance into trusting in Jesus and not just mere words because only words are worthless. Down to verse number 30. There's a lot in this story, and I want to encourage you to read it. Verse number 30. The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. They have built the high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. Something I did not command, nor it, did it enter my mind, so beware. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call it Topheth or the valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. They will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. Then the carcasses of this people will become food for the birds and the wild animals, and there will be no one to frighten them away. I will bring an end to the sounds of joy and gladness and to the voices of bride and bridegroom in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, for this land will become Desolate. The valley of Ben Hinnom was on the southern perimeter of Jerusalem and it was used as a garbage dump. It was a place where people worshiped idols and they sacrificed their children by fire. I know it's unimaginable for us to even think of this. Some of the worst sins in Jewish history were committed in this location. From the name Valley of Hinnom comes the Greek word Gina. Which is translated hell in the New Testament. Which is the place of God's judgment. There is a parallel between this place where this was going on. And hell which is the final destination of the ungodly. And those who refuse to trust in Jesus. So you have people who would go go to this out of the way place because how many know they don't put a garbage dump in the middle of town they would go to this out of the way place, this garbage heap and they would commit these hellish atrocities and prostitute themselves to worshipping other gods but yet on the Sabbath they would feel all better by coming to the place of worship and saying well we trust in the Lord but it was just words God declared that this would not go unanswered, but His judgment would come. And likewise today there are people who sin and live like the devil and they think they can live like they want to during the week and still be okay with God when it comes time to look at religious things or to look at church. It will never work just as God said that that garbage heap of of sin would become a valley of slaughter because He would bring them to justice. Justice and judgment will also come to those who think they can live like the world and pretend to be Christians on Sunday. They would be determined not to repent but continue sinning just like everything is alright and everything is okay. Jeremiah was letting them know that what God was revealing to him that Judah and Jerusalem would become desolate because of the people's stubborn rebellion and sin. Jeremiah took no pleasure in giving out these words. He felt great anguish and great sorrow. He was in tears as he gave this message out. But while he was delivering this message of doom, there were other false prophets that were predicting peace. They were saying, everything's okay. Let's just come together and just be peaceful and get along and and coexist. Does it sound familiar, church? There are false teachers and preachers today that are preaching that everything is okay. You're okay. God is totally okay with you. You can be whoever you want. You can do whatever you want to do, and we'll all have peace and harmony. Don't believe it for a moment. In chapter 8, verse 9, Jeremiah goes on to say, He says, The wise will be put to shame, they will be dismayed and trapped. Since they have rejected the word of the Lord, what kind of wisdom do they have? This is the Lord talking through Jeremiah. Therefore, I will give their wives to other men and their fields to new owners. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress up the wounds of my people. Who does this? The prophets and the priests. It's very important that you know this. They dress up the wounds of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen, they will be brought down when they are punished says the Lord. The people had reached a stage of falling away from God where they would never repent. There was no shame. There was no remorse for how they were living in the sin they were living. All of that was gone. The the consciousness of sin and the, the comfortableness of sin had been accepted and was dismissed anything else that kept them from that. The only thing left then When they were determined they would not repent was the judgment of God. Church members today reach the same stage of apostasy when they reject God's Word and they continually commit their lives to live in perpetual sin. I would submit to you today that God did not save us from our sin, in our sin, but from our sin. He called us not to live that way. Look at verse number 20. The harvest is past. The summer has ended. This is Jeremiah talking. He says, and we are not saved. Talking about the people that have lived in rebellion. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. He's talking about the devastation and how deeply in anguish he is. Because this has happened. I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? What a horrible place to be. The harvest is over, summer is over, and we're not saved. This sad and tragic realization that Jeremiah was verbalizing is where many people are today. Time is drawing to a close and they're not saved. The harvest is just about over. Summer is just about ended. And time is just about to be no more. And people are not saved. But they're living and thinking that everything is okay and everything is not okay. In verse 21, he said, Mourns and horror grip me. At this time of year, there's much talk about horror and scary things. But I assure you, there is no more horrific thing than to be lost and eternally damned to a Satan's hell without God. There is no more horrific thing than that. In verse 11, we talked about this just a moment ago. Talking about they, meaning the false teachers. They dress the wounds of my people as though it were not serious. Peace. Peace, they say, when there is no peace. It's like offering a band-aid to someone who is bleeding out. And they're bleeding so profusely that nothing short of Tourniquet putting a tourniquet on and stopping the blood, and somebody says, I've got a band-aid, it's okay. I'm taking care of you. It'll be alright. As the false teachers and preachers only superficially deal with the wounds and the sores of sin, like they're not serious. They're saying, Everything's okay, but it's not okay. In verse 22, he asked this, he asked this question: He said, Is there no poem? In Gilead, is there no physician there? Jeremiah is crying out and questioning, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? In order for you to understand really what he's saying, in the Old Testament, Gilead was was the name of a mountainous region east of the Jordan River. The region was known for having skillful physicians and an ointment made of the gum of a tree, particularly in that area. And many believe that this balm had miraculous powers to heal the body. And he was saying, we, we know that, that there's greater healing that can come than, than, than what is being offered. There's greater something greater than just a band-aid for something that needs a serious healing. Something that is simple and simply can be cured is, is not the cure for something that is deadly and will be traumatic and will be um, terminal. Jeremiah's question was a plea for healing for the people wounded by the devastation and destruction of sin. I would submit to you today that there are people that are dying. They think that are, they are going, that everything is okay. And I believe the same cry can go out today. Is there a bomb in Gilead? Is there something greater than the band aid that people, that people are, false teachers and preachers are offering the people that are dying of sin because they think that a band aid is going to cure? what they've got. Is there no balm in Gilead? But I would tell you today that the balm in Gilead is Jesus Christ. He is the spiritual balm in Gilead that has come. He's the only one that can save and deliver from sin. And He's not offering a bandaid to fix a sin problem. He's offering eternal fixation, eternal deliverance from that sin. And there is no other cure for sin than Jesus, the balm in Gilead. Yes. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 11. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be Saved. There is no other name. Whether you are living like the world through the week and only paying homage to God occasionally, or if you're completely far from God, there is a balm in Gilead and His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus and He can set you free. You don't have to live that way anymore. I'm reminded of a story... From the late Steve Hill who preached the Brownsville Revival. And I, was, I watched a message that he preached a number of years ago. When he was pastoring in the Dallas area. And he said this. He said there was a young man that came to our church. And he came up after one of the services. And he said I attended a church. Down the road for three years. And I never knew that it was wrong to shack up with my girlfriend. I never knew. Folks, that's sad. It is sad. Not because, yes, because the young man didn't know it, but because there wasn't enough emphasis on what the Word of God really says. In three years worth of time that he felt Everything was okay. Everything is not okay. Sin is sin and it is a cure that is there's a cure that is needed to fix that sin and it can only be fixed by the balm and Gilead which is Jesus Christ. Sin is the primary problem. It's the first thing that we have to deal with. I was going to say I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm not going to go out on a limb. I'm just going to tell you like it is. Sir, ma'am, you have no business asking God for anything unless you make it right with Him. Unless your sin has been forgiven. You don't have right standing. You don't have a basis. The prayer that God is waiting for you to pray is, Lord, I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and then you will be saved. That solves the sin problem right there. And then we live a life walking out our salvation. The Bible says with fear and trembling, meaning in reverence and respect to the Lord, we're going to do our best to walk each day unto the Lord and away from where we have been and where we were. Jesus is the cure to the sin problem. He is the balm in Gilead that takes away and cures the sin. Well, we don't like to talk about sin anymore. This Bible is full of people who were inspired by the Holy Spirit Who wrote about sin? Jesus spoke about sin repetitively, repetitively to stay away from it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what the Bible says. There is a balm in Gilead. Maybe you're depressed, you're oppressed, you're discouraged, or maybe you're feeling lonely. There is a balm in Gilead and His name is Jesus and He is the great physician. Matthew 4.23 it says Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So the bombing gives. Gilead, Jesus Christ, is the one He goes around and He is here to destroy the works of the enemy, whether that's a work of sin in your life or whether it's a work of infirmity in your life, a work of sickness, a work a work of depression, oppression. He came to destroy all of the power and the work of the enemy and He can do that through our commitment and our living for Him because He is the balm and Gilead Amen. that will heal. Every sin, take it away and will heal every disease, infirmity or whatever's going on in your life. There's an old hymn that I found and I've heard it just a few times. I'm not going to attempt to sing it because I don't know it that well but the words are really powerful and I want to share them with you today. The song is There is a Balm in Gilead. It says this, There is a Balm in Gilead to make The wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead. To heal. The sin sick soul. But then the Holy Spirit. Revives my soul. Again. Wait a minute. Sometimes I feel discouraged. And think my works in vain. But then the Holy Spirit. Revives my soul again. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. If you cannot sing like the angels, I don't think any of us probably could, but if you cannot preach like Paul, and I'm certain that I can't, if you can tell the love of Jesus, what this is saying is that you don't have to have great skill and you don't have to have great ability, but you can tell the love of Jesus and say He died for all because there is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. First and foremost, Jesus is the balm in Gilead to heal the the soul and deliver from sin. And then secondly, he came to restore and heal as we trust in him completely. Will you trust Jesus today because he is the bomb in Gilead? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you Lord because you remind us through this story that you are the balm in Gilead. You are the anointing. You are the peace. You are the forgiver. You're the cleanser. You're the justifier. You're the healer. You're the deliverer. And Lord, all we have to do is trust in you because you are the one who comes to deliver. You are the palm and hymn. We thank You, Jesus, and we surrender to You right now in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, if there's something that's going on in my life that shouldn't be, I ask, Lord, that You will just let me deal with that by delivering it over to You and say, Lord, I surrender over to You. I trust You, Lord. I don't know how, I don't know what's been going on up to now in my life. I'm just confused. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to live bound by the sin that has taken hold and root in my life. And to that I say, Lord, forgive me. Help me, Lord cleanse me and wash me clean and forgive me. I accept your forgiveness as you wash away my sins never to be remembered against me again. I no longer want to pretend but I want to live wholeheartedly for you. I don't want to be ashamed of you. I want to live my life boldly for you. I know the time is short, and I want to make the most of the time that I have left. Good Lord, there have been times, maybe, when I felt lonely, I felt oppressed, I felt like no one cares. You're the palm in Gilead. You're my healer. You're the great physician. And you care. You cared so much that you sacrificed your life. Not just for my sin, but for my healing and for my deliverance. And I pray for a restoration right now as I trust in you to be the great physician. Lord, I come back to you closer than I've ever been before. Lord, may it be like Isaiah was talking about it. I come close to you, God, and whatever's there. Lord, I just push it aside and and receive the glory and the anointing and the overflow of the Lord right now in my heart and life. In the name of Jesus.